Welcome to the Tavern Cast Network. Tonight we talk about the much-anticipated finale, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. The theater is open. Let's go to the movies. I'll get you, my pretty... Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty ape! I Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. I feel the need, the need for speed. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. I'll be back. Fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy night. Welcome to the screen. Welcome to the first row. Settle in, grab your popcorn, and kick your feet up on the rail. This is Taverncast, the screen, for the weekend of July 22nd, 2011. The show that's all about new movie reviews and the love of film past, present, and future. I'm your host, Bryce Irwin. Jennifer Albrecht. And I'm Claire Timko. Talk movies with us. Call the show in the U.S., Dial 734-418-7077. Internationally, catch us on Skype, username TavernCast, or send us a short MP3 recording to TavernCast at TavernCast.com. Find information, archived episodes, and show forums for every show in the TavernCast network at www.TavernCast.com. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the screen. We've been uh, kind of away for... A little while now, six months or so, probably. <laughs> probably since the last movie. <laughs> Jennifer didn't want to see any more movies, so... Not a one. Yeah, we haven't seen a single movie in six months. Not one. That's also not true. We're just lazy. Anyways, <laughs> uh, one thing I definitely wanted to make a note on after uh, a little bit of feedback we got in the first couple of shows is a note on spoilers. So the screen, for those who are listening, is not designed to be a spoiler-free review show. In fact, it's a sort of overview slash commentary on the films that we've seen, and it's going to be loaded with spoilers. So we're not even going to try to cover them up. And uh, if you have not seen the movie that is in question, and this then time it that sucks to be you. Well, no, it means <laughs> <laughs> come back to this after you've seen the movie or and read it, the book. It'll be your sort of director's commentary, I guess, uh, but not from directors, <laughs> unless one of you directed this and I didn't know it. No. So we're in the middle of the 2011 big summer movie season right now. What do you guys think for the summer movie so far this summer? Uh, if you had to pick one that you really think is a standout from the movies that have been out there so far that you've seen what movies really really stood out as being the best movies you've seen so far this this summer uh, you guys know my answer so don't look at me <laughs> could it possibly be the one we're going to talk about today it's definitely the one we're talking about today yes so for claire it's harry potter and the deathly house part two yes okay absolutely jen gosh it's hard because it's only july and there's it's like the middle of july and there's a couple of others that are coming out that I'm really looking forward to seeing. So far, I've really liked Super 8. I liked Thor. I would say, so, I like Super 8 and Thor, too. I thought they were they were good. Hangover Super 8 was, was really fun. good. And the Hangover was not good at all, but <laughs> I, I like disagree about that. <laughs> the, um, I think the one that sticks out in my head, honestly, is um, Fast Five. Oh, yeah. The Fast and Furious Is that sequel. really a summer movie, though? Yeah, it's a summer movie. It came out in May or, or yeah, June, was, one yeah, of the two. Yeah, it was... End of end of April, beginning of May is when yeah. it came out. I don't I don't know why, but that movie was a 
just to me a great action movie. Yeah, it was. It was really good. really good. That was actually I think one of the best out of that series of of the films actually. What are you guys looking forward to the rest of the year? There's one for me, one in particular, and that's Captain America, but anything else? Um actually Glee in 3D. I didn't know they were going to have it in 3D. <laughs> uh, according to the film posters at the movie theater that we saw last night, yes, oh. it's going to be a 3D Glee, and I just saw them in concert, so I can't imagine the film's going to be bad How at all. How was the concert? Was the oh, performance good? They were fantastic. Oh, good, okay. So that's my, that's my much-anticipated one. Okay. You better really perform on this show, because if not, you are so off of Tavern Cast from here on out for even saying <laughs> what? that. What are you talking Glee? about? Yes, Glee. We can't be friends anymore. <laughs> we were never friends to begin with, Bryce. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Um, I am. I'm looking forward to Captain America as well. I'm also um, looking forward to um, uh, the Help. I think that one looks like it's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Crazy Stupid Love. Yes. Oh, me too. Me too. Shut up. I want to see Friends with Benefits. I do oh, want to see too. that actually. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> friends with might. Benefits. Hey, play your cards help. right, and yeah. you just might be able to come with us. Oh, I can't wait. When I think of movies I'm looking forward to, it's got to be top three or Glee hey. 3D, <laughs> Friends with Benefits, and whatever that other chick movie was. Is that the one where she's chasing the bus at the end? I don't know. I don't. Breaking Dawn doesn't come out till November, so that's a big Oh, event. yeah, that's the other one. <laughs> Actually, that's going to be a big event, so... <laughs> And just oh, so everyone lis- everyone listening actually knows, he will want to go see that one because he wanted to see the other one. So, nah. Boy, now, I wanted to see the other Twilight movies because I hadn't seen them. And all I hear is you two going on and on <laughs> about how great they are. So I sat through them. Mm-hmm. I sat through them. Mm-hmm. And what did I say after they were all done? That you I- liked them. No, I didn't. I don't know what he that said. That is not what I said. <laughs> I said, meh. I said, meh. I said, we have we wait till meh. the third movie until we get werewolves and vampires fighting, and then all we get is like bad CGI, and the, nobody's head gets ripped off, and there's no blood. Dude, if I want to watch werewolves and vampires fight, I at least want Kate, uh, whatever her Beckinsale. name, Beckinsale <laughs> in tight leather running around kicking ass. How is it that we know the hot chick in leather's name and you don't? Because <laughs> I wasn't scary. paying attention to her name. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> At the proper moment. Bring him to me. Let's find out where he is. If we find him, we can end this. I say we jump now! Hogwarts is threatened. <laughs> Man the boundaries, protect us. I have to go back, haven't I? It's a suicide mission. the way we started together so
So, as we promised, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Actually, we have a uh, full show with exactly the same cast from last November. It will be the last one to feed. It's the screen number 6, I think it is. And it's Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. So, if you want a nice uh, commentary review show on that, go back and listen to it. But tonight, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Duh. Duh. How, why do you say it? Dos. completely different language (laughs) actually we're going to skip a lot of things that we already did in the first one like um, uh, give a you know a rundown on the actors and things like that it's the same cast as part one so if you're curious go back to part one and check it out (laughs) go back to any of the other movies and check it out (laughs) so give us a quick uh, synopsis Claire what was this one about Um, it pretty much carries over from part one when they are on the road looking for horcruxes and uh, evil is coming to a head and it's going to be a big battle in the end. I thought it was interesting that uh, when this movie starts off, it's not like a, you know, last time on Harry Potter kind of issue where you have a little recap. They literally just go, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, if you, so if you didn't see that first movie, you're not gonna know what the heck is going on or if you didn't watch it right beforehand because it took me a second to figure out where we were starting over again i really wish they had done that honestly because i was lost for a Mm -hmm. good long time too yep it took me i was like oh yeah oh yeah dobby died oh yeah you know well okay but they started the movie off with the final scene in the in the the first part with um voldemort finding the the one wand or whatever it was called the elder wand yeah Yeah, the elder wand yeah yeah so that's how it started that was the first scene but that doesn't really tell you much because 10 seconds wasn't it yeah if that yeah and then all of a sudden he was at dobby's grave and they were at a beach house yeah Yeah. that's what was confusing for a lot of people but then again think of the lord of the rings movies they never had a recap in those movies they didn't like start two towers with a recap of fellowship of the ring they just started the two towers same thing with uh um return of the king but so. for some reason, they seem to flow. You, you you got right into the movie the second it started. You knew exactly where they ended and where they started off again. I was never lost watching the next parts. Well, so. and the Star Wars movies had callbacks. Remember the beginning of Empire Strikes Back? It was like, last time on Star Wars. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> Luke Skywalker triumphs over the Death Star. And Darth Vader <laughs> gets away in his TIE fighter spiraling out of control. Now we find our intrepid heroes in a place in the universe where they are going to come together again to fight the great evils of the Galactic Empire. That's exactly how I remember it. <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's pick out some things that we enjoyed about the movie. So one of the things that I really enjoyed was the humor that they kept bringing out, even though this is probably the darkest movie they've ever done mm-hmm. with death and destruction. Still, somehow, they end up bringing some lightness and Laughter. I mean, the whole theater was laughing during certain parts, and mm-hmm. I thought that was fantastic, wonderfully done. The audience really got into this movie as well, and I think that that was something that was really... Uh, you don't always get that in a lot of films. Sometimes the audience is just really quiet, and in this one, people were actually cheering in the right spots. They were laughing in the right spots. And the thing is, even though a lot of folks obviously have read the books and they knew what was going to happen, they were still into it and behaving and reacting in ways like, oh, this is so cool. I thought that that was pretty cool. It's hard for me to um, judge this movie on its own merits as a movie because it seems like it seems like we've been building to this point and we have for, you know, six six prior movies and (laughs) better part of two decades almost yeah so i mean actually what's interesting is to me is that the part one seemed kind of like a unfinished 
it was a movie without a conclusion, but that's because this was the the third act. Right. So you saw act one and two and basically the first movie, and this whole movie was basically act three. Mm-hmm. So it was um, it, it was good that it finally capped off um, what had been the last movie. But I think also the Half-Blood Prince seemed unfinished to me too. And so there was Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows Part 1, both of which seemed, I think, the weakest of the series. But it would be interesting for me to now go back and maybe start at like Order of the Phoenix and watch them all in a row and and see whether or not I actually thought they were weak now because they were they they were they seemed weak to me because there was so much time in between them and they seemed as Harry Potter movies most of the early movies were kind of self-contained they were like this is year X at Hogwarts and then you went through all these little adventures and they kind of got bookended and ended and you know whatever but Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows Part 1 were all very open-ended trying to be empire strikes backy kind of cliffhangery things and they I didn't they have building did... though i mean it was they were building blocks well i think my my biggest problem was that in part one of deathly hallows it seems like they spend weeks and weeks and weeks traveling all over the place looking for yeah. horcrux and they come across one mm-hmm. and then part two all of a sudden they're falling in their laps left and right there's like right. six horcruxes that show up out of nowhere that's true they could have at least found two or something i, I, I think i think honestly I, I i liked part one but my biggest concern with that was it was just too much broad travel and beautiful landscape and they could have filled it with more excitement and and something substantial it just seemed kind of empty and then part two seemed to be almost too full of stuff. I just think they could have balanced the horcruxes out a little bit better. Well, I'll tell you one thing I did like about this movie. I was glad to see them back in the school mm. at all. Yeah. I was just glad to see the school. Yeah. Because the school for me is Harry Potter, and to not have the school in it, it was like, I mean, I liked that they were sort of out and about, but it was nice to have them back and see the teachers again and everything, too. Yeah. Well, I think that's what, that was my biggest concern with the last time we were talking about this was that my the, the character I missed the most was the school because there was no yeah. no Hogwarts at all, but... You know, this time, not only did you see Hogwarts, you saw the complete dismantling of Hogwarts a piece at a time, and it was very, actually very depressing. Yeah. You know, um, one thing that struck me about the very beginning of this movie, in fact, I remember watching it, and I had to turn to the people I was with and said, you know, is it my eyes, or is the screen really dim? Like, no, not your eyes. The screen's really dim. They, we didn't see this in 3D, by the way. I don't know if you did. But no, no. Yeah, so um, I, I'm not a big fan of 3D. I'm not going to go into a rant on this show, but I don't like 3D. So you know, the technology tends to dim whatever is run through the gate anyways. Run through the great gate meaning digitally, but it does, it does, because yeah. um, nothing's run through the gate anymore. <laughs> so how do they do that? <laughs> but um uh, 3D tends to dim stuff anyways, but the beginning of Deathly Hallows Part 2 is extremely dark, like dark luminosity-wise, and I kept wondering, like, what was the lighting team even thinking here? This was so, so dark. It's always darkest before the dawn. <laughs> but this was too dark. <laughs> okay, so what, what did you guys think about the character portrayal? Um, like, the, the, the basic main characters, obviously, Harry has pretty much come to a head, it's do or die for him, literally. But I would say that probably my favorite breakthrough character was Ron. Even though he's been a main character throughout the movies, all of a sudden he stepped up and became this know-it-all Hermione-type character. Mm-hmm. He all of a sudden knew how to speak parcel tongue, and he all of a sudden had brooms at the ready to escape the big fire inferno in the, the room of requirement. And he just, he really stepped it up, and it was just funny watching Hermione get left in the dust, completely yeah. stunned by him. Yeah, he totally came into his own as a man, so to speak. Well, you guys yeah. would be amazed what happens to boys when they have puberty. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> 
I think it was more a falling in love kind of thing. I think that, I mean, you know, so in the first film you see Ron and he leaves and he goes through, there's his own little change that happens because he gets mad, you know, and he gets frustrated and he leaves them and does a little bit of soul searching in the end of that movie. And then he comes back and is like, you know, all right, we're going to do this, but it's, you know, he's got more terms basically like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to participate, but I'm going to have some say in this. And up until that point, he'd always been just afraid. But he realizes, I think, that the reason that he's afraid is because he was allowing himself to be afraid. And he stops doing that. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, he he gets on the whole thought process or the bandwagon with a lot of the other characters of saying, no, we've got to fight this. We've this is uh, this is do or die for all of us. Actually, some uh, some women that sort of share my sphere of influence were talking about Harry Potter the other day, and they said that uh, they were annoyed with the fact that they felt Hermione was now no longer a strong feminist character, and she was overridden by Ron's sort of strong masculinity that put her in a damsel in distress type scenario. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what movie did you watch? I didn't see that at <laughs> all. Yeah, no. No, I think she just sort of came a little bit closer to his level and he moved up closer to hers and they just met more in the middle and that was the connection that the two of them needed to finally hook up. I think that part of the reason why she was as strong as she had been in the past was because she was constantly trying to prove herself because she's got muggle parents. Mm -hmm. So she constantly was under scrutiny and always had felt the need to work harder and she finally actually lets her guard down. And let someone in. I think that that makes a huge difference in her character. But any woman who's been in love knows that feeling. No matter how independent you are, when that kind of feeling comes about, you change. Your vulnerability so. starts to show. Yeah, absolutely. So you're talking characters, and uh, I've got I've got something uh, both both pro and con about characters. So uh, Neville Neville Longbottom. One of my favorite characters of the whole series. Mm-hmm. Um, he really got to shine in this one. But mm-hmm. I still felt that he was cheated from having enough screen time. And, Absolutely. You know, I think that he's been cheated from the very beginning of the series of having good screen time. I'm sure he's got more stuff in the books, which I still have not read, and now I'm probably going to go ahead and read them now that I've seen the movies. But obviously, well, they they removed tons of material of Neville because it was obvious. They did. My biggest problem was, and they they did this throughout the movie, was that you know Neville uh, in the book had a much more substantial role it was it was hard to explain but it was it was based on the chosen ones was either going to be neville or harry and in the oh, book God, they, they never even touched on that in the they movies. did though at, at the very end of part two all of a sudden neville sort of steps up and then during the pensive scene when um harry is looking at everything that snape has to say they start talking about birthdays being on the same month, and they right. slightly touch on that, but not nearly enough for somebody who's only seen the movies to get it. Right. So that was my biggest problem, is they're, they're, they're touching on things, but so slightly that people who don't know the books haven't got a clue what they're talking about. Interesting. Well, and so like Luna Lovegood, too. I really liked her. Mm-hmm. Not that much. She was really um, heavy into it in, I think it was Order of the Phoenix. Yes. And they, that's when they introduced her, and then she sort of faded into the background. As much as I liked that they showed some of these characters, I was bummed out that some of them just seemed to get the shaft. Lupin and his wife... 
Tonk slash Nymphadora got mm-hmm. screwed mm-hmm. because they should have had some kind of a going out scene. They should have had some tr- climactic battle where they get yeah, killed, mm-hmm. and instead we just find out they're dead later. And that was a huge bummer for me. Well, you find out that they had a son, which they never even mentioned that they're actually pregnant in the first one. They start to want to say something, but they're cut off, so they don't even come close to saying that she's expecting a baby. And all of a sudden, they're dead, and they have a son that's left behind. Did so you I, even get that? No, I didn't I, get no, that I, just to say, I remember at one point in time there was something about i remembered that they were, she was pregnant and i don't remember why i remember that she was pregnant because i haven't read the books either but, but they showed her pregnant in the movie no in, no in they part one talk about it in part one they're just about in the scene where they turn into all the harrys so they all look alike yeah. and she says harry you'll never guess and then she gets cut off and that's the part where she's supposed to reveal that they're expecting a baby huh. in the books harry is made their baby's godfather Interesting. Well, see, you know, they can only put so much in these movies, but I would, you know, I just kind of felt that from the standpoint of the movies alone, outside of knowing anything about the books, you can't take a character like Lupin, who was the central figure in Prisoner of Azkaban, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And I guess his wife is sort of secondary. She was never really given much to do, but at the very least, she kind of goes with him. And it was actually never even really clear. Like, I was confused about this the last time we talked about this, where, like, Nymphador is, like, flirting with Harry one moment, and then she's with Lupin the next. So it's kind of odd, right? But the fact that they just sort of shortchanged them and show them up and dead, it was like, okay. And they did it with another character, too, the one that uh, used some kind of a spell or something Lavender on Ron. Brown. Yeah. And all of a sudden, she's dead. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what happened? So I was a little bit bummed that a lot of the action happened off screen. I think, yeah, I think they were just trying to shove all of the characters who had ever been a part of the Harry Potter series in just so that you could have one final goodbye. Whether they were alive or dead, they panned across the room and you'd see Cho Chang or uh, right, Professor Trelawney. Mm-hmm. You know, she did nothing for the last two or three films, but all of a sudden she was there in the big destruction scene. Yeah. It's like a double-sided coin for me. On one hand, it was great to see all these people. On the other hand, it sucked you didn't see more of them. And maybe that's why there should have been a Deathly Hallows Part 3 and they should have extended it out even longer. I would have been fine with that, honestly. I wouldn't have cared. Me too. Obviously, I'm going through some of these things we've talked about before, so it wouldn't make much sense to talk about lighting and editing because it's the same director, the same crew all together, and I didn't really see any noticeable differences in in any of the general film craft. However, I do want to bring up one thing. The makeup of the goblins and the way they were acted in this were better than any of the other movies by far. The goblins actually Mm. were pretty awesome. Yeah. The makeup was great, and their acting was great. They seemed like really fleshed-out, awesome characters, whereas the last time I remember seeing them was in Sorcerer's Stone, and they were kind of cutesy and whatever. But then again, that whole movie was seemed very kiddy to me in comparison to this. Well, they were almost scenery in the background for the very first film. You saw them, but then you forgot about them. There was nothing memorable at all. 
Um, so I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I know in the final scene when it shows them 19 years later, do you think they looked 19 years older from what they were back in school? <laughs> you know, I was actually trying to do the math when I was sitting there looking at them. I'm like, how old would this make them be? I actually think they overshot it a little bit. On overshot. overshot it? I think that they they were trying to make them look older. From a makeup artist's perspective, some of the things that they did to them were over where they should have been. They would have only been, 19 years later, they would have been, like, late, maybe 30s? Well, let me tell you, they actually reshot that entire scene really? with new makeup because the first round made them look way older. Really? They looked like they were 50. Did you, have you seen shots I saw, for I it? saw pictures of it, and when I saw it, I was just disgusted. I thought, oh my gosh, please tell me these characters aren't going to look like this on film, and thankfully they reshot it, so it was a huge improvement. The one the one I did, like, I did like Jenny's. I mean, they did they did her fairly conservatively because... They gave her the mom bob. They totally gave her the mom hair. <laughs> I wonder if she had mom jeans on, too, with the elastic band <laughs> and the, the pleated back. Yeah. So this Mother's Day, don't give mom that bottle of perfume. Give her something that says, I'm not a woman anymore. I'm a mom. When you're giving up, giving up, put on your mom jeans. I think that the fashion that they had them in was a little too old. They were old looking. They were old fashioned. They were 19 years in the future. They were today's old people clothes. Okay, but this is my theory behind all that, though. Yes, they may have aged them a little bit too much, but you got to look at what they went through as children. They had a really rough upbringing, and they had to put their lives back together again. And if you look at, magically speaking, how these people live, they live older you know if you look at yeah, if you look at the true. burrow what, what the weasley burrow was like yeah they wear dresses and jumpers and they hand wash their dishes and so they're they're kind of they're kind of older yeah that's style. true yeah okay. i just kind of looked at the whole thing as if they were kind of like the jocks and cheerleaders in high school that were never able to let it go and 20 years later they're just like dude you remember the good days back at hogwarts i wish we could just get that back again I just miss it so much. I just wish I could just do Expelliarmus again. I'd be so much happier if we could just do that. Yeah, Hermione, you used to be a lot hotter back then before you put on the mom jeans. Ho <laughs> ho, that's funny, Ron. Yeah, Harry. <laughs> that's what they've turned out to be. That's what it is. I'm just telling you. If they made that movie, I would go see that. So, J.K. Rowling, make that movie. Okay. <laughs> Harry Potter 8, The Reckoning. <laughs> yeah. So this actually brings up a good topic. Do you guys think that J.K. Rowling should go back and do more Harry Potter? No. Absolutely not. No? No. You don't think she should ever revisit it? It's good the way it is. It is. I think it has had one heck of a long run, and speaking as a gigantic Harry Potter fan that really would like it to never end, it truly has to, and I would hate to see somebody try to do more. I just don't think it could be done well. Would you want them to do something with the kids? Like the second generation kind of thing? No. Absolutely not. It's... I agree with you personally. Yeah. I, I just don't I think just... I don't think it can be done well, and I don't want them to go back and do the thing that a lot of shows do is the before Harry Potter, so like following Harry Potter's parents when they were kids, kind of a thing. I just like Muppet Babies. You know, they had the Muppets, oh. and then all of a sudden Muppet Babies showed up, and there's Looney Tunes, and there's Looney Tunes babies, and I, yeah. no, I just think it needs to just be over. Yeah, no, I agree with Claire one hundred percent. Do not touch it. Leave it be. 
move on and write something new. Come up with something new, whatever it is. Do r- adult romance for all I care. Just don't ever do Harry Potter She doesn't again. really need to work anymore, though. So. No, no. But, I mean, if she wants to, I mean, she's a creative individual. And sure, creative sure. people tend to like to create. And so yeah. if she feels the zen to create, I hope to God she doesn't make any more Harry Potter. No. Because, I mean, look, let, two words come to mind when I think of successful initial franchises going to absolute crap. George and Lucas. <laughs> so yeah. they could really mess that this up. True. They could mess it up in a million ways. They could have Harry Potter, the episode next generation. One. <laughs> you know? They could have Harry Potter, yeah, episode one, the prequel. You know? Where Jar it's like, Jar Potter. All of a sudden oh, they're showing the God. Voldemort, first rise of Voldemort thing. And I don't want to see it. I really don't. I don't want to pay for it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to watch him screw it up. And I certainly don't want it bookended by, like, old Harry Potter 20 years from now. Like, Daniel Radcliffe 20 years from now is, like, you know, old Bilbo Baggins. And he's like, I remember the days when Voldemort <laughs> was first coming to power. see that. Yeah, but that's older. I'm, see, I'm talking old now. And oh. this is not a good – I want to see the comedy of oh. the misspent youth – era of like the 30s like you know harry and ron are in like ron's in an abusive relationship harry just got kicked out of the house they're both in a bowling yeah. league hermione's yeah. addicted to like meth or something or quaaludes <laughs> the neighborhood's gone to crap harry's son is like an asshole who's like expelliamo seeing everybody in school you know knocking books out of their hands he's like oh, you know, i want to see that let, let me ask you guys this um okay so the part when um Snape real, um, reveals that his Patronus was a doe, just like Lily Potter's. Did you catch that? It took us a while to fully understand the implications there. What do you, what's your understanding of it? Well, our understanding of, of what that probably meant was that there was a good chance, left unstated, that it was actually Snape who was Harry's dad. And that's the sad thing, is it had absolutely nothing to do with that. Again, the book reveals it so much better than the film. Okay, well, so what is yeah? Because we totally were trying we to figure this out. We're like, what? wait, does that mean Snape might be actually be his father? Yeah, and I, I had to, I had to look back in the books too to figure this out. What happens is, is that your Patronus can change depending on your emotional states. So at one point, Tonks is very uh, upset because she and Lupin don't get together, and her Patronus changes because of her emotional state. She gets very depressed, and and it, it changes to a different animal. I don't remember which one. Snape and Lily, actually, he was in love with her from the moment he met. We got got that. And that emotional connection is what made his Patronus her Patronus. That's the emotional connection that they had. But it's sad that nobody who's, who's ever, if you don't read the books, you aren't going to get that. And I think it's really sad because Harry's got black hair and Snape has black hair. And so everybody's thinking that Lily and Snape maybe kind of... Well, I think he looks exactly like his dad, though, or the guy that, you know, the actor they got to play his dad. Really? I mean, I I think, I mean, they've got the same glasses. They looked very similar to me. So it was actually, uh, it was was harder for me to believe that Snape would be his father than who his actual father was. I actually, just from watching the movies, though, I got to tell you that I walked away from this entire series now really not liking Harry's dad at all. Yeah, me either. It's like, you know, okay, great. Harry's dad is like, we'll be with you until the end, son. It's like, you're a jackass, dude. When you just, don't talk to me anymore. Bring Where's Snape? He just died. Bring him over here. Well, the thing was, too, Obi-Wan is Obi-Wan Snape, he, bring him in. Yeah, <laughs> but he was also, wasn't he, he used to antagonize Snape. Like his that's dad what I'm did. saying. He was, he a, was a jerk. jerk. Yep, Snape pointed that out, but that's that was kind of nice. So I think that, you know, that's why in the very end, Harry had that connection with Snape. He finally realized where Snape was in the relationship with his mom and his father and why he felt the way he did and did what he did. And 
Gotcha. It, it was it was very complicated, but it really came together really quickly in the end. favorite scene of the movie if you had to narrow it down to one scene what was the favorite scene since you guys are thinking i'll start with mine my very favorite scene of the whole movie uh and i don't know why because it wasn't the most sort of outstandingly climactic scene in the movie but i loved when mcgonagall took action against snape Mm. when when he was first outed and she hesitates for a second and then she goes for the wand, and then she starts, like, shooting the red crazy fire at him. And I'm like, get him! Get him! <laughs> it's like the old chick that turns into the cat. She's awesome! I don't know what it is about Maggie Smith, I guess her name is, mm-hmm. that actress. Yeah. I love that actress. Yeah. She's awesome. She's cool in that role. And, you know, I kind of wish she would have, like, totally, like, gone Dumbledore on him. But I was happy <laughs> to see her go off at all. I was like, yeah, get him! I Well, I kind of in that vein, I really like the little battle between... Um, Ron's mom and uh, Bellatrix that they have there and you know Bellatrix goes after Jenny and mom steps in and is like uh-uh not my daughter <laughs> dude she even has a line that was like aliens she had Ripley's line from aliens or it was like get away from her you bitch yep. <laughs> it was pretty close to that <laughs> yeah. yeah and I guess they almost didn't include that in the film because they thought that was a little bit too harsh of a word but JK Rowling insisted because it was such a powerful powerful scene yeah absolutely no, I like that. That was one that everybody cheered for. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think, honestly, I think my favorite scene I really enjoyed when they were in the vault and the uh, multiplication spell. Every oh, time you yeah. touched something, it would multiply mm-hmm. by 15 or 20, and they were swimming. And I was actually getting flashbacks of uh, the scene in the, the, uh, the garbage crusher oh, <laughs> yeah. from Star Wars. Yeah, it that's just, true. Remember, you know, they were climbing over top of stuff and trying to escape, and I just, I don't know. I thought that was really well done. Okay, how about your least favorite scene of the movie? I guess I'll start again while you guys are thinking. So my least favorite scene was the end of the movie where Voldemort dies. And I'll tell you why. It's because I felt that it was anticlimactic after everything that had been building. It seemed as if Neville cuts the head off of Voldemort's snake, which, you know, ends the Horcrux, basically. So he's vulnerable. And Harry disarms him. And then instead of Harry, like killing him or like roasting his ass or something like that he just dissolves into a bunch of ash and blows away and i'm like no that's so lame harry needs to like have the killing blow like harry needs to do something here that's badass and instead he's cheated of his eventual victory basically he spends the whole fight pretty much getting blown away by voldemort which i understand because voldemort compared to harry harry's not very good in in comparison to these like master wizards he wouldn't be able to take on voldemort and survive for very long and he was barely making it as it is but to not actually have the killing blow when the dude's disarmed struck me as a really bad choice and i was really like really that's it that could have been a cheerworthy moment, and he could have said something, or it could have been a one-liner or something, and that would have been it. But maybe that's just me as a guy, but I, I didn't like that. Well, I, I think it was anticlimactic, because the, the climactic part had already happened, where Voldemort basically kills Harry. That was the climactic part. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and they, you know, Harry doesn't want to be portrayed at the end of the movie as the killer of Voldemort. He just, he wants to be the chosen one who ends the reign of terror, but not necessarily be the one who goes in there and, and chops his head off with a big bloody finale. I would have been all right with that. Well, you would have. You're a man. <laughs> Men like that. I would have killed him, just FYI. I would have been like, Gavarda Cadaver, or whatever it is. Well, that spell doesn't work because it's the wrong spell. But that's okay. <laughs> okay, Well, I would have done that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would have just expelliamos him until his head fell off. <laughs> expelliamos! 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 Um, Cruciatus! Expelliamos! I would have cruciatified him yeah. until he couldn't move around much, and then I would have expelliamos him until his head fell off. <laughs> And I would have set him on fire after I expelled almost his head off. Yes, we understand. And then made him explode. And then got one of those spider things to eat him. <laughs> nice. And then put his head on a griffin and made the griffin fly away to, like, that snow town. And then put his head in the shrieking shack where that rat guy could eat him. <laughs> <laughs> right in this up, though, rating from one to five... Five being an absolute classic, one being not so much. Where do you guys think this movie sits? I would put it at a five. I think it does. It it's a nice end to the whole thing. I'm bring, I'm gonna get take it a little bit lower. I'm gonna probably say like a four point five, just because you know I'm a I'm a fan of the books, and I don't think the movies will ever do it justice. And there's bits and pieces that could have been put in or taken out. But for the most part, I would say this is probably going to be one of my top Harry Potter films, period. I would say the series itself owes itself a five. This movie is about four. Spelliamos! So now that you've seen this movie, uh, you know, it's the last installment, does it change your impression of any of the other films? Um, no, not really. I think it, um, it summed it up really well, and I have to say that I was a little timid to see how it would all end, but I think that overall it did a fantastic job. Did you cry? Oh my gosh, did I cry. <laughs> I was a blubbering idiot. I took a whole box of Kleenex. Did you? I did. I was crying from the second half completely on i was a mess gosh i cried when harry missed his chance to blow away voldemort <laughs> that's what made me cry <laughs> impression um, of the other movies <laughs> yeah kind of actually i think it does kind of change my impression of the other movies because now that the whole story is in i think i look back on a lot of things differently that that happened in the series um, one of which, unfortunately, though, based on what you're saying in the books, is an incorrect way to look at it. But I would have looked back on all the instances of Snape now and said, oh, I see, he's his dad. All right, he's his dad. I get it. And you know what? Maybe I shouldn't read the books because I kind of like that version. <laughs> I kind of like that Snape is Harry's dad. Snape is Harry's dad. Just FYI. Snape. Spoiler. Harry's Spoiler. dad. <laughs> I am your father. <laughs>
Snape. All right, do you think this is a fitting ending to the series? No, I'm I'm with you. I think they could have extended it one more film and probably done a much better job uh, explaining everything better. But uh, considering it is the end, I, I guess I'll be happy with it. I wouldn't have mind seeing two-parters for every movie from Order of Phoenix on. Because those all seemed like they were rushed. Whereas every other movie before that seemed like it had pretty good, uh, robust story and everything else. Yes. We've talked about this a little bit. Uh, and Claire, since you're the book expert here, mm-hmm. how does the movie actually compare to the book? So let's just take part one and two all together. How does it compare to the book? Did they leave out a lot of stuff? Um, yeah, they really did. Um, but they also added things that weren't in the books that I have to say was an improvement in the film. Give us an example. Um, in part one, in the beginning of the movie, Hermione puts a forgetting spell on her parents so that they're saved. That never happens at all in the book. Do you know if J.K. Rowling added these things or if the screenwriters? The screenwriter did. And the same screenwriter for all but one wrote every one of these. Did they, um, really? did they run it past? Did they get her blessing on it? I, I believe they had to because I know at one point I mentioned um, that they were not going to put Creature in Order of the Phoenix, and she was still writing book seven, and she said, without giving it away, you have to have Creature involved. Was breaking up the last book into two parts a good idea, or was it not necessary? No, absolutely. Like you said, it should have been three should have been or four more. Um, It is absolutely necessary. There is absolutely no way that you could have squeezed book seven into one movie. You know what I, what I think they left out that was in the books that should have been in the movies? Mm-hmm. The fact that all the magical force in the whole Harry Potter universe is caused by midichlorines. And that Harry Potter had the highest midichlorian count of any wizarding child. And that's why he was the chosen one. Do you have a clue what he's talking about? <laughs> All the other nerds listening to the show will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Phantom Menace, Star Wars Episode say, 1, wait, Phantom this is Menace. ringing a bell. I need new co hosts. <laughs> if you would like to be a new co host on the screen, please contact me at Bryce at taverncast.com and give me a good reason why you should be on. And how high your midichlorian count is. And how you would have killed Voldemort. Kind of the last question. How does this stack up against other endings of other franchises? Film or television? So, full runs of TV series, full movie franchises. I think Star Wars, uh, Lord of the Rings, Star Trek television shows, Stargate, Battlestar Galactica. Sort of the great classic sci-fi or fantasy series. How does the ending of the Harry Potter saga stack up against something like Return of the King or Return of the Jedi or the final episode of Battlestar Galactica, et cetera, and so forth? I say for me that's a difficult question to answer because I don't, I don't put Harry Potter in the same category as I would put something like Return of the King Why not? or Lord of the Rings. I mean, technically speaking, yes, it may fall in the same category at like the movie shelves or on the library but they're just to me such different stories but if i have to compare them um i I would i would pick the lord of the rings series as being a far superior and the fact that like i'm looking forward to seeing the hobbit and not worried about it ruining the rest of the films well that might just be a peter jackson thing and that you well and and also that the hobbit is based it's a prequel that wasn't like dreamed up after the fact no and that's true that is that might play a different yeah well and that's that's true but i mean technically speaking any filmmaker could still screw it up i'm just thinking though there are there you know i can tick off 
I can tick off what what I think are some of the great endings. So there there have been things. Okay, the Matrix trilogy, not the 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 final Matrix movie, Revolutions, not a great ending to a series. In fact, both sequels to the Matrix were not a great way to continue the series and not a great ending. It they basically were they didn't do it well. Okay, um, Return of the King, great ending. Return of the Jedi, mostly pretty good. Um, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm trying to get is the Deathly Hallows in general. How does that rate with, with endings? Was it a great ending or is what you're saying is that the whole series isn't really even, doesn't even rate that highly. I don't agree with that. I think, I think the Harry Potter saga rates right alongside Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. I think it's one of the great sagas. Well, the ending is so, is so different. Um, a lot of the ones you mentioned, I, I don't, listen to or I don't pay attention to them but uh, Return of the Jedi for instance that movie kind of started from a problem and slowly built its way up through three films and it ended this one was uh, 19 years later and so the ending was completely different than any of these other ones No, I think it was a lot like Return of the King I thought Deathly Hallows 2 was a lot like Return of the King in a lot of ways especially the epilogue set years in the future. The only thing they didn't do is they didn't infuse it with multiple endings, like Return of the King went on for 20 minutes at the end of the movie with epilogue 2, epilogue 3, epilogue 18. Yeah, but that wasn't 19 years later. That was like, you know, after everybody got better and felt okay. Yeah, but then that movie, it was like, there's an epilogue, and it's like, we're going to watch Sam Garden. And then it's Sam on the way to the market. Oh, I miss Mr. Frodo this time of year. And then 19 years later, Sam sitting on the porch. Oh, I miss Frodo when the strawberries are in bloom. Oh, Frodo, Frodo, wherefore art thou, Mr. Frodo? And then Annie Lennox starts singing. I'm just saying, (laughs) Deathly Hallows Part 2, very similar to Return of the King. Which, in my opinion, Return of the King is the very best franchise conclusion there's been. I just don't think there was any other way to end it. I mean, the book basically says the same thing 19 years later, mm-hmm. but it just seemed like, uh, you know, every, the world was crumbling around them and then everything was hunky-dory, happy, kids, life. Well, but n- no, this is, I think it's actually very, uh, I think it's actually very appropriate, the ending that whole 19 years later, because he- here's the thing, you've destroyed everything. I mean, everything's been destroyed. It's all been broken down, but it shows that life goes on and that, you, ha- you don't see Hogwarts, you don't see all the professors, you don't see all of these things going on, but you know the kids are going, so things are back to quote-unquote normal. Even when things get broken down, even when things get destroyed, even when you think that it's all over with, the sun's going to come out tomorrow. <laughs> are you going to break into song no, now? No, I didn't mean okay. to do that, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I'm So that's been it for the Harry Potter saga after many, many long years, 2001. So it's been a very long, strange trip. I think I think actually now after seeing this one, uh, I think there was some question last show whether or not this would go down in history as being one of the really great 
um, filmic sagas, but uh, I really think it earns the spot for me. I think the acting across the board has been really good from the very beginning. The quality of the movies have always been really good, even on ones that were sort of... Like Chamber of Secrets is, for example, not my favorite installment, but it's still really good. Compared to a lot of other movies, it's still really good. There wasn't one. There wasn't a single uh, episode, I guess, of Harry Potter that I ever thought was like, wow, that was a really crappy movie, you know? No, that's true. That is true. Well, that's been the screen for this week, folks. Thanks for joining us. If you like the show, please review us on iTunes. Your reviews help us increase the show's ratings and listeners, making it possible for us to keep doing this show. Remember to visit the screen and our other shows, TavernCast and On Tap and TC Elite and now Geekistry, which is not a TavernCast show, but it's got me on it. All three up on the web at www.taverncast.com. All four on the web. When our outline is really hackneyed. You know what? Just go to www.taverncast.com. Expelliarmus. Download everything. <laughs> Just go there. You'll figure it out. Buy your tickets early and join us in the front row. Snapdragon production and part of the Taverncast family of podcasts. Visit us online at www.taverncast.com. <laughs>